Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by a question. Who the hell do we take after the first round? That is the question. And today we brought on our boy, Max Marsh. We go through the first three rounds of the draft. We start with round one, then we go two, and then we go three. And the answers may surprise you. Now, of course, before we get started, don't forget, we are on all platforms, youtube.com slash the goldcast. We are on Instagram at the goldcast, on Twitter at the underscore goldcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever great podcasts are syndicated, we are available. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Okay, don't forget to leave a post. It helps the algorithm so we can keep building the YouTube channel. All right, so this is a huge show today, folks. We are talking with Max Marsh. I am talking with Max Marsh. This is a solo episode. It's just going to be Rudy 3 and Max Marsh, baby. We're going to be talking about the draft. The first three rounds. Obviously, we're going to have a huge discussion about who he thinks we take at round one. But then we're going to go into rounds two and round three and break it all down. And of course... A quick little discussion about the reuniting, once again, Chicago and San Francisco playing each other in what has historically always been some of the weirdest games of all time. But first, the greatest podcast intro in the game is about to drop. Your professor of fanalism, I'm in the building. My boy, Mac Marsh, he's in the building too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my special guest. He's been here many, many times before. I've got, I think this might be year five, Max. Is this year five? Oh, it better be, or else I'm losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. welcome max marsh back to the show how you doing today buddy man i'm uh i'm good i'm excited to be here talking about football uh i swear to god the last year's draft happened like a week ago it doesn't it feel like that it really does it really really does uh it's been uh it's been it was a quite a quite a wild ride even to get here last year uh, for it was no picnic for the Bears or the 49ers. It was a rough one, as as you guys may remember, or if this is your first time hearing Max Marsh on the show, diehard Chicago Bears fan and draft fanatic. He's literally, you've, I think, that, I'm not even joking, I think this is maybe the fifth year you've come on to talk draft with us. It, it's, it's, it's up there. It's, it's not, I think it's more than four. It could be six, but it's for sure five, because I was literally living... In in Hollywood, the the very first time you were on, and we did that at least twice, at least twice. And so, and I, so here we are. Welcome back, bud. Um, so let's talk about this. You said something really interesting on our group that uh, we Lu, Max and I are in uh, with Louis B, who also comes on the show quite often. We are all in a fantasy league together, and you said this, and it really struck me a couple weeks ago. You said, "Listen, in order to stop this oncoming dynasty, we need the 49ers to draft Mac Jones." And you are very you're very adamant about it, and that led into a whole thing. And obviously, there is a lot uh, was a lot of talk recently 
that the 49ers were indeed going to draft Mac Jones. And I will say this. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. Even the 49ers assistants have come out and said they don't even know who they're drafting. Shanahan and Lynch have literally told no one. And so I think like there was a there was also rumors that Shanahan and Lynch were fighting and they were fighting over Trey Lance and they wanted Trey Lance but then he he wanted Mac Jones and I think the thing about the Niners if you really look nothing ever gets out that they don't want you to know about. You know, they traded to Forrest Bunkner, no one knew. They traded for for Miami's pick, uh, the third pick, no one knew. They traded for Jimmy G, no one knew. If the Niners want you to know something, it's very deliberate. And if they don't want you to know, you never know. And so I really do believe the 49ers assistants when they go, even we don't know who they're picking. Like literally the only two people in the building that know are Shanahan Lynch and maybe Jed York, the owner. But outside of that, it's nobody. But so let's go through this though. Uh, so having said that, you, you're, let's talk about why you don't like Mac Jones at the third pick of the draft for the 49ers. Let's start there and then talk about who you do like at that third pick. Uh, absolutely. I'm glad you specified at the third pick um, mm-hmm. because I think he'd be a great pick in the second round, like early second round. Uh, I think he'd be a, a really good pick because he's, you know, especially for a team like the Niners, he does a lot of stuff really well, uh, very smart quarterback. Um, you know, he, he does what needs to be done. He's a typical like lunch pail, like, you know, he's not going to do it sexy. It's not going to be beautiful watching him do it, but he gets the job done. He hits open receivers. He's got a poise to him. He's got a, you know, a classic Alabama quarterback, uh, quality to him. Um, the issues that I have with him, uh, stem from the fact that he doesn't have the unbelievable physical tools that, you kind of need from a quarterback that's being drafted in the top five picks, you know, uh, like, th- like thinking about him compared to someone like Justin Herbert last year, who is getting some negative hype. You look at the two and you're like, you're like, it's not even a conversation who you'd rather have as a quarterback now. But even then having this conversation of being like, is he going to be the third quarterback taken off the, off the board? That's, that's insane. Um, just not supremely athletic, uh, lacks superior arm talent, um, he doesn't like for someone to not have, uh, a, you know, a, an above average arm strength drafted this high, you have to have Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, um, um, a Joe Burrow type of accuracy. He does not have that pinpoint, throw it on a dime on a rope into any hole in any coverage sort of accuracy. He's very accurate, but he's not like superb next level accurate. Um, uh, again, no mobility. And again, he, he played with four first round first round wide receivers in the last two years. He played with two that got drafted in the first round, Henry Ruggs and uh, my boy Jerry Judy last year, and then Jalen Waddell, uh, who didn't really play very much this year, but he did play a lot last year, and uh, Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner. He, so so he's, he's throwing to, to four first-round picks. Uh, he had Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris, who are probably the first two running backs taken in both drafts that they were in. Uh, he's got probably played with uh, five offensive linemen that are going to be drafted, um, and that's literally who he's playing with. So it's very hard to judge a quarterback talent-wise on when he's playing for Alabama with the most talented offense. That offense could probably beat a couple of NFL teams, is how talented that offense is. Um, uh, and... So, so that's really the, the all the criticism. Um, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think that's the number one issue is that like of all this is not a good quarterbacks 
to have. It, like he's doing pretty well for himself. He's you know he's not not going to be a failure, but just not a guy you take this early. You can't. Um, and with that said, um, the quarterbacks you have available to you um, are you know you, you get to pick your you get to, you get a good you get a good pick right. You either get uh, Fields, who some say might be one of the best quarterbacks to come out in the last five years, uh, top five probably quarterback to come out in the last five years. Um, I have issues with him um, because he kind of struggles a little bit from the Mac Jones issue where he plays in easily the best offensive system for position players and for quarterbacks in college football in Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day has an, an unbelievable offense. Um, the scheme is beautiful. Um, everybody looks great in it. The amount of wide receivers they've had taken and running backs they've had taken and linemen they've had taken is also very high. Um, but he's just superb athletically. Uh, outside of Trey Lance, who I'll talk about, he's probably uh, the most athletic quarterback and one of the best athletes in this entire draft. Um, very, very, very good arm. Um, uh, not necessarily elite, elite, but very, very, very good. Um, and, uh, no, I mean, he, he's had a couple of games where he's had some mistakes, um, but I think that that sort of comes down to a guy trying to do too much because he's excited. Uh, he wants to jump over Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick. Uh, didn't quite happen this year. Um, but I do really like Justin Fields. That's a good option. Um, and uh, what I think is the most interesting choice for you guys at, at quarterback is Trey Lance, who uh, is going to get a lot of comparisons to a lot of guys that are going to probably get him you know, killed in the first two years. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But those are the two comps for him. He's uh, got a Mahomesian arm, rocket ship arm, kind of out of this world, uh, jacked, uh, giant quarterback uh, as far as athleticism is concerned too, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I believe, are his measurables. Let me check, actually. He's 6'4". 6'4", 226. Wild. Wow. Uh, the craziest athlete uh, at quarterback that I think I've ever watched play football. He did play in the FCS. I think that's his number one critique. Played in the FCS, didn't play last year because the FCS didn't have football. So he only has one real year of tape on him um, because he played at North Dakota State, which is the place that, you know, has had their last two quarterbacks that came out of there drafted. Um, which is crazy for an FCS team. Who are the two quarterbacks? Who are the two quarterbacks that were drafted? Easton Stick, who is a backup somewhere, and uh, the the uh, Philly great Mr. Carson Wentz. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Got it. But even, and I love Carson Wentz coming out, but Trey Lance uh, is a step above. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, and he's a project. I think that's, that's uh, a way to put it. He's a project. Um, but I think that in the era of Mahomes, if you see a guy that's got the measurables and the talent of a Trey Lance, and you see that, and you see that you can, which is, I think, why you guys haven't gone away from Jimmy G right now. Um, because I think if you go with Justin Fields, there's probably a good chance that Jimmy G leaves because I think he's a little bit more pro-ready than Lance is. And in today's NFL, we see a lot of quarterbacks getting on the field and being productive right away more often than it used to be. Um, but Trey Lance is probably a guy like Mahomes that sits behind an Alex Smith type, uh, 
a Jimmy G for a year. Um, but, uh, but I think, um, from everything that I'm hearing, um, and everything that makes sense to me, it feels like it's hard to pass up on, on, uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, I think so too. I honestly believe that's who the 49ers are going to draft. I think they're going to go for Justin Fields. I think that they, um, I think the Mac Jones, there's just so much talk about Mac Jones. It's why I don't believe it. Especially when you've got you got every Breit writer and every national reporter saying it's Mac Jones, and then you literally have the 49ers office saying we on even we don't know who it is, and I'm like, okay, it's Justin Fields then, because then where all this is coming from, wherever it's coming from, the 49ers want you to think that, and but yet here they are at every single pro day for every quarterback looking at everybody, you know, and um, they're they they have I think they're kind of leaving no stone unturned, and uh, I I I have the, we literally had a guest on a good buddy of ours um, last week. Who does uh he his name is Johnny Down. He does nothing but like 49ers X's and O videos on YouTube. And he really likes Mac Jones. And um he he's actually a really big fan. And he just th- he thinks it's for sure Mac Jones because as kind of as you mentioned, he's so similar to what the 49ers have already had. But I think uh I, I will say this to to the the you know, I have heard this argument before that you you presented, which which I think is very fair about the fact that he had so many weapons. But I think that the in, in Mac Jones defense, the one thing I would say is like I think the 49ers are fairly comparable to that. He's gonna have Alex Mack at center, he's gonna have uh Trent Williams at left tackle, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, he's gonna have uh Debo Samuels, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Hurd, and Raheem Mostert behind him, you know, like, and, and don't forget George Kittle at tight end, you know, so he's, he's going to come to a pretty stacked offense. It's not barring, barring any, any injuries. He's coming to a, a, an offense that I think from an offensive line standpoint and from, you know, from wide receiver, just a ton of weapons a, a, across the board. So I think it would be a great scenario for Mac, but I agree with what you're saying, and I do think they're going to go for someone like Justin Fields because I think really what they're looking for is some sort of Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes-style hybrid. I mean, it's no secret. I, I, I said this before, too. I'm, I'm about 85% sure that the package we gave Miami was basically the package we were going to give to Houston. You know, Houston, all of a sudden, you know, it's coming out. Deshaun Watson wants to go to Denver or he wants to go to San Francisco. Then it comes out, San Francisco is interested in Deshaun Watson. Then Houston goes and gets two quarterbacks, and I'm like, here it comes. It's like any day now. This is this is it's gonna, they're going to announce this any day, and I assumed it was going to be somewhere around four picks and maybe one defensive player. And the word that I kept hearing from everything I was reading was it was going to be Fred Warner. Originally, it was going to be Nick Bosa. The Niners said no Nick Bosa, and then they said Fred Warner. And so then I was like, okay, I could see them doing that. That would still suck, but I could see them doing it. You know, you can't really pass up a generational talent like Watson. Then, unfortunately, all the stuff with Watson goes down, and then this big package is delivered to Miami. And I'm looking at this going, that looks like that's the Deshaun Watson package. And I think that what they're really looking for is someone that can move the needle. Someone that I think can give them a dynamic approach with their with their legs too, not just their arms. And I don't think they want to go somewhere. I don't I don't think they're looking for a Lamar Jackson, but they're looking for someone mobile, right? Like the the big problem that we had with Jimmy G is his lack of mobility, you know, and his and and he has a lack of mobility. He doesn't throw the ball away enough, and, and this has consistently led to to injuries two out of the last three years. I mean, in fact, it's been every other year, dating all the way back to when he had to cover for Brady uh, the year before we traded him. You know, he got hurt that year as well. So, I kind of agree with you. I really do think that we are going towards someone like a Justin Fields. And let me ask you this. Why do you see Justin Fields as being a good fit for the 49ers? 
I, I, the, the, the difficulty there is I, I don't know a place where Justin Fields wouldn't be a good fit, uh, mm. like theoretically. Yeah. Because the only real knock on him, um, is, you know, I is besides like a couple of not great games is that, you know, is Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> like that's like that's legitimately it is is that Ohio State offense. But theoretically, with his measurables, the talent, he was uh, on ESPN, the number one recruit coming out of high school above Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, and, and they've oh, wow. been one and two forever. They've been competing, you know, and honestly, Fields has had a little bit of an upper hand in head-to-head type of games uh, over uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard because he's one of those guys that you watch his tape and you see his measurables and you see what he can do and you just watch his arm strength. Uh, you know, and, and just his accuracy and everything he's capable of doing and just say, wow, like, what can't he do, you know? And uh, I, and I think that's the difficulty there is that it's like, how do you pass up on a guy that good? You know, it, he hasn't had a history of struggling with systems. You know, he's played for two different colleges, um, but, he's, he, you know, he hasn't had a history of struggling with systems. Uh, there's been stuff before about he wasn't the first guy in or last guy out, which is nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, his coach came out and said, that's not true. Uh, it is, you know, and, and so it's just like you, you look at it and you look at his skill set um, and he's got accuracy. That's that's legitimately what do you need for the for the Shanahan offense? Accuracy. You know, and one of the one of the number one things that they said about Mac Jones is like he's really good under center and he's really good in play action. You know, he he hasn't had that much play action and, in, in, you know, and in, in out of the and, sh- you know, uh, under center. As anybody else, he's had just as much, if not slightly less, than uh, than Fields has, and Fields has been unbelievably accurate in those situations. Um, I don't know. I just I, it's hard. It's one of those. It's it's he's one of those players that is um, a tr- like could be a truly transcendent uh, quarterback, regardless of what system you put him in. Um, and uh, that athleticism is always what I thought. Is could be the thing that completely destroys the NFL in your offense with the you know with the receivers you have, uh, the scheme that you guys have. If you've got a quarterback that's able to hit uh, receivers accurately, but is also able to terrorize uh, defenses with his legs, and the only one of the only other real criticisms in terms of his running is sometimes he holds onto the ball a little bit too long. But if you can find a way to make sure that he's able to get rid of that ball quickly you know, uh, and, and makes quick decisions, you know, realistically, you're looking for a Russell Wilson. And uh, I think that the player that compares most fairly to Russell Wilson in this draft is Justin Fields. Uh, so I guess, you know, in the long term, in the long way of getting to it, I think that's why he's the best fit. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, even looking at, if you look at the, if you just look at the NFC West, right, what, 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 what two, two of the four, you've got, uh, you've got, Russell Wilson, who's had the most success, right? And then you have, I cannot believe I'm running a blank on his name, uh, from Arizona. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray. I cannot believe I ran a blank on his name. Kyler Murray. You got Matt Stafford, who I could, I don't really care for, about Matt Stafford I, nobody at all. Nobody does. I'm, you know, I love that you, 
I love, I love, let's just talk about the story. I love that you and me were 100% on the non-hype train. We were both looking at Louie being like, why are you excited about this? This is the dumbest decision you could have done. I was like, you know, when week seven rolls around and this guy gets a seizing ending injury to his back, you're going to be really fucked and you're going to be really sad that you don't have anybody behind him. And I don't know what you guys are going to do, you know, and even if he's there, he just doesn't move the needle for me at all. No. Yeah. yeah, He's, I watched him play for the Lions for so long. And to be fair, the Lions have been abysmal for forever. So it is hard to judge him strictly on that. But I've never been like, oh, no, Matt Stafford has the ball. I've legitimately never <laughs> thought that in my life. And, and that's not a good sign because I, I also feel the same way about Jared Goff. I think that Stafford's definitely better, but is he enough better? I, I don't know. I don't know either. And I, I, I don't think so. And the, the thing about it is, is that, you know, the, the uh, McVeigh. McVeigh's a, a, like a baby clone of Shanahan, and he just, it doesn't matter what version of team we have out there, they can't beat us anyway. So I'm like, fully healthy. I don't know what you're going to do. I, st- I do think, I do think that probably Seattle maybe takes a step back. I mean, they, they, the, the thing about Seattle is kind of, they're kind of similar, right? Regardless of how crappy their team is overall, they understand how to scheme and win against the NFC West. And they, 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 they're able to capture that one seed because they know how to beat every team in the NFC West. They don't look nearly as good against anyone else and they're always out by the wild card. But it's, you know, it's kind of the Patriots style. It's simple math, right? They're like, listen, here's the three teams we have to beat. These are guys we have to beat every single year. If the Niners are fully healthy, I don't think the Rams are, I don't think the Rams even make it to the playoffs. It's probably Seattle and Seattle and 49ers. One of them's at one, the other one's at two and the Rams are back at three and then you have two years in a row where everyone's going like man you know the rams two years not making the playoffs two you know two years they have no, no first round picks and i'm not sure if this is working so much you know so i i i don't know i i, I think the uh i just think that i, I yeah i'm in agreement with you i just don't see i i don't really know if this is going to move the needle is this enough to now leapfrog both the niners and seattle next year a fully healthy 49ers i don't know I have my doubts. Yeah. I mean, I really do. outside of them being well coached offensively and defensively, frankly, you know, and, and being very creative with their cap, because there's no reason that they should be able to compete with the amount of cap they are giving to people that are not paying for that are not playing for them. Like, there's no, <laughs> no. reason that they should have nine wins, like zero <laughs> purpose for that. So, like, you know, what can you say? It's McVeigh's got a little Shanahan to him where it's just like he finds okay. a way. He does. He does. So let's do this real quick uh, before we get out of here. Let's take a look at everyone's talked ad nauseum about the first pick in the draft. And I loved our conversation about that. But then let's take a look at pick number two and our second pick and then our, our third pick. So our second pick comes in the second round. It's the 11th pick of the second round. And then we have the 12th pick in the fourth round. Who do you see the 49ers realistically taking there and who brings the most value for the Niners at the at those rounds, man. Uh, I mean, it really depends on on um, man because like that's the thing is like it's not like you know this is a good uh, spot because last year there was like th- the end of the first round to beginning of the second round was like it, it, like to the middle was amazing for defensive backs, but this year it feels like there's so much value in so many different positions that like it's it's kind of like a a, a you know a pick your poison. 
um, uh, looking into into what your guys into what your team had, running a couple of mock drafts, uh, doing you know going over some film. I had some fun things that I was thinking of uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, if let's do if it. If Rondale Moore falls to you, uh, there's no way you should draft him. But he is like a Percy Harvin on steroids, and so I'm just trying to imagine a team. With though with all three of those guys on one team, like I don't, I, I truly don't know what I do. You're not gonna take him, but I just couldn't get that out of my head. I'm like, that's like a that's like Madden. That's like a guy who drafted Madden and just like I'm just gonna run screens and sweeps the whole time. No one's gonna know what's going on. <laughs> no one's gonna be able to tell me. <laughs> what school is he out of? What's Rondell more out uh, of? What's Purdue. School? Purdue. He okay. set okay. the uh, Big Ten uh, overall yards from scrimmage record his first game of his true freshman year. Uh, and I and and it was against Northwestern, who has two guys going in the first round this year. I had to throw that out there, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we beat him. But I was horrified the whole game. Uh, terrifying. He's got some issues with injury, like any small, quick, athletic guy does. Uh, freak of nature. I just had to put that in there because for me, just as a fan, I would pay money to watch that. Um, I love it. Uh, and then looking looking as I went down, I was like, what could you guys really use? Uh, cornerback and safety is where I was going. Uh, I think that's probably the safest bet to go in the second round here. Um, a thing to not get your hopes up, uh, but a player that could fall to you because he's had some issue, uh, injury issues last year, but when healthy could very well have been the number one cornerback taken in the draft. And that's Caleb Fairley, uh, out of Virginia tech. Um, he's had some injury issues. He's six, two, he's a beefy guy. Um, He's he's strong. He's very very smart in coverage. Uh, you know his measurables are great. Um, didn't play last year, I believe he had injuries, and then I think he sat out for COVID reasons as well. Um, but he's a guy that if for whatever reason he falls, and he has fallen since the beginning of this off season, if he falls to you, um, I don't know how you don't take him because uh, he truly could be a top fifteen player in this draft. And if he falls to forty three or forty two, I believe it is. Um, I don't know how you can't take him. Nice, nice. I love it. Now, what about the fourth round? I know it starts to get slim, slim pickings here. Is there any value in that fourth, in that fourth, in that fourth round at the twelfth pick that you think maybe the Niners find something here? Maybe it's depth. Maybe it's. I like that cornerback. I've said. I think it's been kind of. I think the Niners have been. It's very strange that you've got three seasons in a row. We've never drafted a corner. We draft another tight end. We draft even a kicker at one point, but not a corner. So I love the idea of get, drafting a corner in the second round. All right. So now let's move on. Uh, I accidentally actually had, had said fourth round. Third round. Let's go with our third third round pick. Who do you see at value? That is, that's uh, number 117. What do you see as being, who do you think we drafted at the, in the third round? Uh, it's so funny that I made you look back over it. Cause honestly, this is like, this would probably be a really great spot to trade down <laughs> to like, to, <laughs> like this would be a really great spot to trade down and not have a third round pick. Uh, cause you do have a fourth round pick coming up. I think it's like 13 picks after that. Um, and you could probably trade down unless you love anybody that's there. Um, but a lot of guys that I was looking at that I liked for you, uh, kind of fell to the fourth, uh, to the, to the, to the spot you were picking next anyway. And so I felt, eh, you could probably trade out of this. Um, but looking there, if you wanted to stay, um, a guy that some people have been slotting you in like the second round uh, is Kelvin Joseph. He's a uh, cornerback out of Kentucky. Um, 
He's definitely a bit more of a project, um, but he's another guy that has great measurables. Um, he uh, uh, He's athletic. Um, he kind of jumps plays a little bit too much, uh, which is something we have to train out of him. Um, but he's also a guy that could be there in the fourth round. Um, who else do we got? Uh, Kendrick Green. He's a guard out of Illinois. Uh, a zone blocking guard who grades unbelievably well in zone blocking. One of the best guys on tape to like jump off the screen when you watch him. He's a mauler. He's huge, uh, strong, uh, plays with a lot of like passion, very much fits as a, as a guard you'd want on that line. And I know that I, I think you guys have a hole at guard, don't you? Yeah, guard is not is a weak point. Uh, I saw one mock draft that had uh, had. Let me see here. Nah, the the guard that I was looking at that I wanted to ask you about, Deontay Brown out of Alabama. Yeah, he's another that guy one. that could. I, I think he'll probably be a guy you that might be gone by then. But if he's there, he's another one that I'd put in that in that category. But he's also a guy that's he's right on that two three brink in that area. Um, but he's another mauler. That's what you really want. You want those zone running scheme uh guards uh the power blockers um it's it's uh, Alabama Alabama linemen are hard to pass on but it is also difficult because you have so many talented guys around them uh that like you know it's it's very difficult to like have a hole in there and the thing that I like about him uh, about Kendrick Green playing for Illinois is they were not good uh he was maybe the best offensive player on that entire team uh, and you can see it on tape. Um, but he's also not a guy that would tell you that he's, you know, the the best guy on the team. But he's also somebody that could be available at that pick. But but Deontay Brown, I also wrote down here. I wrote him down in the second round, though. Um, but it, but but he could also be available there. Uh, it depends on who you like better. Um, I, there's definitely more pedigree uh, to Brown. Nice. Okay, last thing before we got to run. Uh, it's finally back. Bears... 49ers, we're going to be playing at uh, Soldier Field Stadium because they love to torture us and they love to send us out to go see you guys. As we have discussed many times on this podcast, always the weirdest games. So strange. Just the weirdest things happen. You said to me before when we were recording, uh, before we started recording that the the better team is most likely going to almost lose this game as it is every time. I don't know about you, but I am so pumped that we're finally playing you guys again because I just love how fucking weird those games are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to watch Robbie Gold be very happy on a good team. Uh, <laughs> that'll bring me joy. I feel like I feel like Max. That's something you guys are never going to forgive us for. No, no, and it's so, it, no. I mean, it's it's hard when your entire postseason personality for probably the next decade is around a field goal kicker missing a field goal. Uh, it's and going from the most accurate kicker in NFL history. It's really hard to get past that. No, oh, I understand. I also, you know, he really wanted to come back. And then I don't know, you know, Lynch, Lynch and Shanahan, they do they do some sort of voodoo thing. Trent Williams said the same thing. He was literally he's like, I'm signing with Kansas City. I guess that's where I'm going. And then they get on the phone and I don't know what mob boss deal they do with these guys. But you know, Robbie Gold, too. Robbie Gold was was remember, he basically sat out. He sat out and was like, I'm not playing. I'm not playing for San Francisco. They got to trade me back. And then then came back and then renewed and renewed like twice. And was like here to stay. I'm like, I don't know what. These guys do. I, I, there's something in the water. I don't know. It's a, like it's some sort of voodoo curse they put on these guys. Their eyes go white and then they just never leave. I don't. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. So I, I do understand. I understand your frustration. I, I had to deal with Trevor and Trent Williams for like a week uh, after that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also been on the show now. But Max, thank you so much, buddy, man. Love, love, love what you brought to the table. Raymond sends sends his regards. He could not be on the show. Unfortunately, he was in San Francisco uh, selling some real estate. So, you know, got to go sell those big houses. But uh, he wanted to let, he, he cannot wait to see the show. And he said that he'd like to bring you back on after he sees the show so we can have a little bit more of a reaction, you know, a reaction to what, what you said. He wants to kind of take a look and have some conversation with you. Absolutely. And I got more stuff if... Uh... You have any other players you want to look at? Feel free to look at any of the guys I recommended. Check out some of their tape. I can see if I can send it to you. Uh, yeah, and then send it we to can me. talk about it. Awesome, buddy. All right, my friend. We will see you later. And to the Goldcast Empire, what say you? What do you think about Justin Fields at being sitting there at the number three spot? Last week we heard a big, obviously a big push for Mac Jones. Today we're hearing the big push for Justin Fields. So what say you? What do you think? Let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the goldcast and let us know right there. And don't forget to like comment and subscribe and so concludes another edition of the gold cast we are the voice of the bay i'm your host rudy cisa third and with me is my co-host max marsh thank you so much for being on the show buddy and we'll see you next time all right thanks for having me glad to be here this is, is the gold cast 